it means like we live in this dirty world. So therefore I am dirty as well. These systems of domination live within me as well. So if that's the case, I can actively cleanse myself of these systems and also understand that I can leverage some of these things in my favor. Um, and I think that's, that's those, I mean, dirty girl is inherently a contradiction. It's like knowing what the wrong thing anyway, because you know, that's the only way out. So yeah, the entire movement is a contradiction, babe. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Verlin from the Absurd Thought Club, and I'm so hyped for y'all to be here with us right now. This episode is revolutionary, okay? It's real and it's honest. And I have the honor of sharing this discussion with the one and only dirty girl, Melissa Denizard. She's a woman who needs no introduction, so if you know, you really know. And if you don't, well, you're about to, okay? So enough of the pleasantries, let's get right into it. Let's get into Dirty Girl. Let's jump right into it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Who's Melly, Melissa, and the Dirty Girl? Let's talk about all three of them. Yes. So you asked me how you asked me how I've been doing, and to be honest, a lot of that has been figuring out who is Melly, who is Melissa, and how do they meet. So I think in this past year, Saturday actually makes it my one year anniversary since I've been making music, and. I think reflecting on this past year, I think Melissa definitely got lost in the sauce. I think when I first started, it was very, I didn't even know if I wanted an artist name. I just was like, I'm Melissa Denazar. Like that's that's who I've always been. Mm -hmm. And then I decided, no, actually, I think Melly is the is the perfect, is is the perfect artist name to have. But Melly is her own personality. I think Melly in a lot of ways is my Sasha Fierce. And I think in the same ways Beyonce said that Sasha Fierce is her alter ego, Melly is also my alter ego. But I think Melly is such a strong personality and such a strong force that if I'm not careful, Melissa can get lost in there. And I can forget about who Melissa is and who Melly is. And I think Melly at the end of the day is a performance. It's, it's, it's really stepping into what I think a confident, unapologetic black girl looks like in this body. Um, but Melissa doesn't always feel confident and unapologetic. And I think Melissa carries a lot of insecurities and like stories about who I am and what I'm limited to. So Melly is really my effort to break out of that and to really use my, my voice as a vessel to kind of carry these radical ideologies forward. So that's, mm. yeah. That's that's Melissa and Melly. <laughs> I love that. Literally, like yeah. a lot of amazing artists always have this escape, like this yep. embodiment outside of themselves. Because as an artist, it's so easy, especially growing up as a as an artist, as a person who creates and is inherently creative. There's this feeling of, oh my gosh, my experiences are my experiences. And a lot of people can relate to them whether you know, looking externally is the way or not, there's something out there that needs to be, there's like a whole arena that I can funnel my, my stories, my narrative, my lineage through. So a lot of people go the route of, okay, let me just, there's this person outside of me. When did you realize that Melly was, you know, your alter ego? Was that like always a feeling that you had or when did that really begin for you? I really started to feel it when, I started working on the dirty, on Dirty Girl because my debut project, Exodus, 
it like it was Melly, but it's still like I could I could still see Melissa all throughout it. Like I think I think Exodus and Dirty Girl was really interesting about the both of them is they're both they're saying the same thing essentially but they're just doing it in different ways i think exodus was more of like a highbrow um type of like artistic very sophisticated way of talking about radical transformation and black feminism and then dirty girl is like a pop culture like grunge very raw way of going about communicating the same thing and i think with Exodus, it was a step outside my comfort zone, but I wasn't too uncomfortable. Like I could still like, it, and, and I think a lot of it was based on my own personal experiences in the sense of like my own personal heartbreak, my own personal transformation process. Whereas Dirty Girl, I think Dirty Girl is still based off my personal experiences, but in a lot of ways, Dirty Girl represents all the things I wished I would have done. Like, 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 you know, when you get into an argument and you go home and you're like, fuck, I should have said this, this, and this. Yeah. <laughs> that's dirty girl. That's, that's like, that's, that's like my, I always say dirty girl is like my 10 year thesis because a lot of it is based off my history as an organizer, but it's based off like, this is what I should have done. This is how I should have protected myself. This is what I should have said. Um, and I think because a lot of it is shoulda, shoulda, shoulda it's requiring that I step out of what my, what is my comfort zone, which is, you know, being a people pleaser and being quiet and being, being anxious and being fearful. And dirty girl is the opposite of that. Dirty girl is just like, I may, I like, I might be fearful or the world might be something to fear, but I'm still going to go after it with everything I have. And that's new for me. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's when I realized like there's a, there's a distinction between Melissa and Melly and I have to, I have to respect that that distinction. Yeah, there's always this very like timid approach at the beginning of anybody's journey where it's like this, oh my gosh, I need to be careful. I'm kind of walking on eggshells, especially in the arena that Dirty Girls existing in, especially with the audience that it's serving is like black women, girls, femmes. Like there's this, when we're younger, we're told, you know, keep quiet, don't do too much, don't be too loud, don't be too mean, don't be be nicer than people, be funnier than people. And then it's like, some things are like, fuck it, like, I'm here, like, this is what I'm about to say, and that shoulda, shoulda, shoulda is exactly how I feel when thinking about Exodus versus Dirty Girl. And like, can you talk about that transformation for you and realize like, okay, I need to step on my shit, I need to break some necks, I need to like literally be a little, you know, a dirty girl, like, <laughs> I need to be her. I think that, like, it was, I don't think it was a conscious step, mm. if that makes sense. Like, I knew I was creating Dirty Girl, but I didn't, I, I didn't realize what Dirty Girl was, for real, until, like, I don't even know. Like, I feel like every day I learn more and more about what the what the capacity of Dirty Girl is or what the capabilities of this movement and of this song is. I think, like, to be honest, the way that Dirty Girl came about is I just had a random song idea and I made a recording of it. Like, I just recorded the chorus and it was really corny at the time. Like, it, it sounded like nothing like it does now. And I just saved it. And I was like, OK, like, I'll just leave it here. And then I found I ended up finding this beat and I was like, oh, I think this might go with the song. And I just started working on it and everything just spilled out. And so and a lot of what came out was this raw, angry, rageful persona or person. And I think a lot of that is 
like that's my inner child. Like that's that's the anger that is within this young girl who never got a chance to really say all that she wanted to say or never got a chance to reckon with all the all the harm that was done to her. And so I think in a lot of ways, like it wasn't necessarily like me sitting in a lab thinking, okay, like I got to step on niggas next. It wasn't like that. But I think, I think when I, when I take a step back and really understand my life, every, every piece of art I make is influenced on my life. And I think it just makes sense naturally that this is the course that things took. Like, like, it's like I healed and then I got angry again and now I need to heal some more. (laughs) Um, And I think, I think that's just, that's just life. You know, like the healing process is never over. Like you, you, you cross the finish line and then it it turns out it's actually a relay race and you got to pass the baton to your next self. Um, So it wasn't a conscious decision, but I think, I think Dirty Girl in a lot of ways is helping me to understand my rage, to form a relationship with it and to also recognize that I can't allow, I can't allow my rage to take over me um, and how to, how to create a relationship where I am just as in control of my rage um, so that it doesn't, it doesn't overtake me and turn me into something that I don't want to be. Yeah. yeah. What does what healing look like for you versus what it looked like for you when you were younger, little Melissa? Like, cause healing looks like so many different things. Yeah. But you're funneling it through this very specific way and it's beautiful, but this sense of control, especially with it being a movement, there's so many different experiences, narratives that people are kind of balancing with themselves and so many different perpetuated violences against black women, girls and femmes. Like how are you healing and how has Dirty Girl really helped hoist up this healing journey for you? To be honest, when I was a when I was a girl, I don't or a kid, I don't think that I ever healed or consciously healed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a lot of ways, my healing looked like achievement, like or my healing, quote unquote. I think ever since I was a kid, I would just one up myself each time. Like I would do something. And then I would just do something even cooler and just keep on stacking up those achievements. But I don't think I ever felt satisfied. Like, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm programmed. I'm just going to keep on winning or keep on keep on getting the next best thing. So I don't think I ever like consciously healed. I don't even think I knew that there was something to heal from. Um, For real. Like I knew I knew I knew that I, I didn't live like the same childhood that everybody else had. I knew I didn't have all access to all the resources. And I knew that my reality was deprived of something, but I didn't know there was something to heal from. Mm-hmm. And I think now a lot of what my healing looks like is sitting in the quiet, um, but also it's having fun. Like I, I had a really tough August. Like I went through a lot in August. I think I lost, I lost a lot of things and um, a lot of relationships that were really close to me. And now I'm expecting myself to be boohoo crying, but like I'm going out, I'm having fun, I'm putting myself out there, I'm in the mix, unapologetic, and I don't give a fuck about it. I'm, I'm in here. And I think that like overall, the reason why that's my healing process is because when I was younger, 
I never, I never took the time to fully appreciate who I was. And I, I reflected on that the other day and I was like, yo, the amount of time I've wasted by not believing in myself, by not seeing all the divinity that literally is right here, right now. I'm always thinking about the future, the next thing, the next big thing. And it's like, what I actually have right now in front of me is enough. It's more than enough. And not only is it more than enough, it's actually so incredible. Like I, I am incredible. Like, let me just make that clear. And I think that for me, it always felt taboo to admit that, to admit that I was brilliant. And now a lot of that healing actually looks like standing firmly in who I am and accepting all the love that people have to give me. Uh, like there's a reason why people love me. There's a reason why people are moved by me. And rather than trying to explain that or rather than trying to reason that or comp or like compromise that or whatever the case, like just accept it, just stand in it. And for me, like that's what my healing looks like right now. It's actually just enjoying myself and, 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 and sharing that with others without feeling anxious or inhibited by anything. Mm, something something you said on your Instagram that bruh, low key I was like let me cry real quick <laughs> so you were like how can we survive all that we survived and not know God yeah, yeah. Uh, what yeah what yeah. how can we go through all that we've been through and not acknowledge our divinity exactly like, exactly that's powerful. And yeah. there's this inherent, you know, divinity that we all feel, especially as black women, like, okay, there's, a, I go to HBCU, all black women, like, there's this relationship with each other within ourselves that we begin learning. And it's like, no matter where you are at any point, there's this, there's this time where you're like, dang, I'm in this body right now. And I've been through all this, all this shit but I'm here and I've survived it. But there's also this perpetuated violence on us that sometimes I'm really afraid of labeling myself as a survivor or as a martyr because I don't want to make anyone else feel like because you look like me, you're automatically boom, martyr. You're automatically boom, survivor. Like there's this book, Zora Neale Hurston, it's like an autobiography. And in the intro, so, uh, Mary Washington, she wrote this intro about her and it was beautiful at first, but then I really started getting like low-key beef with her. Cause I'm like, there's this beautiful woman who is creative and she's joyous and she's wonderful and she's curious. And she's been through all of these things, whether it's beautiful, sad, you know, catastrophic. But at the end of the day, her work is her work and it's a, it's a result of her creativity. And she's always kind of highlighted and emphasized how she doesn't want to talk about race. She doesn't want to talk about the Black experience because there's so many other narratives to talk about that don't exist within this construct of race and this construct of violence because race is inherently violent. Mm -hmm. And so there was this little tidbit that you put um, under one of, under Dirty Girl, and it was saying, I'm gonna read it real quick. Dirty yeah. Girl is Melly's debut single illustrating a subculture of Black girls, women, and femmes resisting martyrdom. So with all that being said, this relationship with martyrdom, this relationship with violence and, and, and just like fear of being inferior, 
because of race, because of, you know, our double, uh, our double inferiority as women and as black people. How are you helping people resist martyrdom? So, I mean, Dirty Girl as a song, that's the entire, you know, uh, point, right? Is saying, I'm not your savior. Like, that's the entire chorus is like, fuck everything. Fuck you. Fuck this. I'm not going to save you because when the world ends, no one's coming to save me. Mm-hmm. And that that is the through line that really um, that really drove drove me while I was writing this song is like thinking about my experiences as, a, as an organizer, thinking about the stories that I've heard from other black girls who, who've been organizing or who've been involved in movement work. That's really what pushed me while I was writing this song is just realizing that like we live in a world in which we are often at the front lines in our communities and our movement spaces. And very rarely do we experience the fruits of our labor. And I think this is a question that black feminists have been trying to answer for generations. What about us? What happens to us at the end of the world? but also what happens to us in this liberated world. And I, f- and I felt like 2020 when the racial justice protests were happening, when we were actually, it felt like having a reckoning of like, what does a new world look like? It was very clear that black girls and black, black queer folks were being completely tossed to the side. And a great, a great example of this is this question of like abolition, right? What happens when we don't have police? And everybody's like, abolish the police, abolish the police. And Black girls and, and Black queer folks are asking the right questions. Okay, like, how do we keep safe? Who's going to keep the predators away from us? You know what I mean? Like, who's, who's going to protect our bodies? And we had no answers. Why? Because we did not think about Black girls and Black queer folks. That just wasn't in our, in our framework or in our psyche. And it's not to say, like, when I say we, I'm not talking about a collective. Like, I'm pretty sure there's been Black women who have been thinking about this question. But the problem is, is because we are so undervalued, and under under appreciated in our movement spaces and over and also overly exploited as well. The our our frameworks, our ideologies never get pushed to the center. They never get pushed to the front. And so even though we might have these questions and we might even have uh, answers to these questions, our safety is never going to make that doc that that sacred document of, for example, what abolition looks like because our futures, our well-beings are not prioritized. And so for me, it was just like, okay, well, like, fuck this then. If that's the case, then I'm just going to retreat into myself and I'm going to create my own world, my own reality, my own, my own liberation in this lifetime. Because I didn't want to wait any longer for somebody else to tell me I was free. I just wanted to take that shit and run. And I think that for me, Dirty Girl, it's... That's how I am. That's how we're empowering folks. It's, it's, we're not responding to anything external outside of us necessarily. Like, yeah, we understand the world that we live in, but it's really realizing that the power that we're looking for, it's within us. Like that divinity that we're talking about, it's within you. Like every time you look at your life and you, 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 you marvel at all that you survived, that's you, babe. Like that's not nobody else. That's, like, that, that's, that's divinity within you. I, even when I even when I think about God, like I'm not thinking about some man in the sky. I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about my highest self. Who is who? Who is Mali or who is Melissa when she is uninhibited? When she is fearless? When she when she is when she is operating at a at a 
from a perspective that is prioritizing herself and her well-being. And to me, that is the divinity within me. And I think that's the divinity within all of us. So how could we survive? Will we survive and not know God and not be divine? Like that, that that's even in the song because I wanted, I wanted us to have like some type of manifesto where we could we could just like sing that back to ourselves and remember like who we are and where we come from and more importantly like where we're going so yeah i I hope i answered your question but that's that's what dirty girl is and and i think that's that's our unique approach to power building it's not necessarily building power externally outside of ourselves first it's really building power within ourselves and realizing that we're everything we need and more um, and we don't need to look outside of ourselves to, to to receive that validation or that affirmation. There's this idea that I've seen really prevalent in your work, which is what you were talking about, liberation. Mm-hmm. But liberation looks so different, especially when we're talking about what we're being liberated from, why yeah. we're being liberated from it. So let's let's get the clear definition for people of what the liberation we're looking for is within Dirty Girl, how that came about and what the end goal is. Because is liberation the end goal? Because liberating, liberation, especially from capitalism, for example, is very isolating. There is no community within that, you know, because who's going to give up Uber Eats? Who's going to give up Amazon? (laughs) Who's who's going to give up going, you know, maybe getting a Tesla, popping off on Instagram? Who's going to give that up? So what mm-hmm. is liberation? What are we liberating from? And what is that going to look like in the Dirty Girl utopia? So I think as because Dirty Girl is such a new uh, a new collective, a lot of the stuff like we're still figuring out. Like one thing I'm definitely committed to is something an indigenous feminist called her name is Kim Talbear. She says often is this idea of learning in public, right? Of like just being vulnerable and, and, and recognizing that I don't know it all. And I'm not gonna know it all. Um, and I think specifically as a black feminist organization and understanding that white supremacy is always shifting, like we're constantly going to be learning and going to be shifting our ideologies and, and responding to like what freedom looks like in this political moment. Cause I think freedom and liberation changes, right? Because at one point freedom for black people was just was being freed from the actual literal change of slavery. Right. And then that shifted because they realized once they got free, there was so much more shit to do and so much more shit to get liberated from. And so I think with Dirty Girl, like our language is very specific, but it's also like it's also still very broad in the sense of we're figuring it out. But I think the most important thing that we've said so far is that we are a movement committed to the liberation of black girls, women and fans. Now, I haven't said what that liberation is or what that liberation looks like. And it's not because. It's not because I don't value specificity, but it's because when it comes to liberation and freedom, those are things that I feel like should actually be kept broad in some in some instances. I think that when it comes to achieving liberation in this lifetime, for me, it's it's actively recognizing that like there's systemic liberation, there's like liberation for all black people, but like you said like that liberation is informed by so many, so many different factors. And I think rather than speaking about liberation in a singular form, I want to make an intervention and speak about liberation in plurality. What does liberation look like in this lifetime for each and every one of us? And I, ha- I have a friend, um, her name is Nanal, and she talks about like, 
I just want to teach people how to have their needs met ethically. Like, how do I actually go about like experiencing pleasure? How do I actually go about experiencing autonomy in my body and in this world that constantly leaves me feeling shackled? And I think that for me, liberation looks like looks different than it does for you. Environment or how can Dirty Girl create the environment environment where you get to explore what that means to you? But I'm not in the business of telling you what it is because to be honest, like I don't know what it is. And I, I, I don't I don't I don't want to know what it is because it's too I think freedom is too intimate of an experience. It's too it's too um, exciting of an experience to just limit it to one thing. And so for me, it really just is about like, how do I create the environment or how can Dirty Girl create the environment where we can have a generation of Black girls, women and femmes talking about power, talking about liberation and what that looks like to them. And I, I'm more interested in like the seeds that get planted because of that, because we have those conversations. It's like, if, if, if I tell you you're powerful and not only do I tell you that, but I give you the tools to exercise that, then the world is lim- like the, the it's your possibilities are endless. Like you can create so much from that. So I think I'm more interested in like, how do we create this propaganda of liberation and freedom of black girls, women and femmes embodying what liberation looks like to them and what implications will that have on the, uh, on the incoming generation to see a new generation of black girls, women and femmes who are actively walking and living in their power and also having the language to articulate what that means to them. That's that's what my North Star is. It's not necessarily like this this paradise. It's more so how can I create the environment to to help empower all of us to seek out that liberation. Ooh. She said, yeah. "I'm not your savior." <laughs> I'm not your savior. Nope. <laughs> no, literally, I feel that so heavy because for me. I was having this huge question when 2020 came about, you know, everything kind of looked crazy of, dang, okay, am I looking for liberation? Like, do I want to be liberated? I don't like my life at the time. I was like, I hate my life. Like, shit sucks. Don't like high school. Don't like anything. So learned about absurdism. It was like, okay, nothing matters. So there's this, there's this route to create meaning there's this route, there's this way to see things in a new light and question everything so that maybe I will find what I like. And then through fucking going to college, I'm like, damn, like I do like some stuff. And so there's never one way, like you were saying, of feeling freedom, of feeling liberated. And so I stopped looking for liberation. And there's probably so many people out there that also aren't even looking for liberation. But through something like Dirty Girl, where it's like, okay, there's this very singular experience. We're looking at ourselves. We're looking internally. This is something that's helping us guide, you know, our, our own thinking, our own way of experiencing, our own way of being able to balance out all of the bullshit, all of the amazing stuff, and seeing how we can actually be our own people. So with that... What is your, what is your hope, you know, five years down the line? What is the work that you want Dirty Girl to be doing for people? Can I ask you something to, yeah. to, to answer your question with a question? I know you said that you don't, you don't think about liberation or, or it's not, I, I, I don't know how to, how to express it, but 
I guess it's just not something that like you're actively seeking. Is that correct? Yeah. Can I ask you like, what does liberation mean to you or what, what, like, what does it mean to like experience liberation or what, what, what would it look like to actively be seeking liberation? Well, okay. When I was, when I was going about that whole, like, dang, like, I don't really give a fuck about liberation. I had realized that there were so many different structures and institutions that were pent up against me. And it's like, as a black woman, as a queer woman, as a woman, like there's so many things that actively are seeking my demise. And so I was like, okay, when I stop thinking about those things and I think about Verilyn, who is Verilyn? What does she want? She wants to create stuff. She wants to learn. She wants to talk to people. She wants to be healthy. Cause I was very, very, very like suicidal at a certain point last year. And so I was like, okay, what do I need? What do I need in my life right now? I need to eat healthy, I need to get exercise, and I need to learn. Mm -hmm. And so anything outside of that, I stopped caring about. So it was like, what is liberation? I'm looking for something to, to kind of help me not feel the violence, feel all of the damages done by these things. So I started kind of, maybe this is like the right or wrong approach, I don't know, but I stopped thinking of racism, uh, sexism all of these violences perpetuated against me i stopped thinking about them as something that was against me because i'm like that has nothing to do with me they, they don't know me these people are like they created these ideas and they're long dead and there's people holding them up for whatever reasons like that has nothing to do with me right now what do i need and so then i also realized okay like maybe violence uh violence from capitalism what does that look like do I want to be liberated from this? Because that was also a huge buzz buzzword era of like, F capitalism. And it's like, yes, like, it's very violent, very harmful. But also, I like Postmates. You feel me? I like getting my stuff delivered the next day. Not gonna lie. So then I also started thinking about how is my life being convenienced and how is my life being inconvenienced? Mm -hmm. I was doing pretty good the way that capitalism was going for a minute. You know, like the way that it was going on the everyday human, like just everyday girl, I was doing pretty good. I wasn't feeling this pressure because I'm not, um, you know, I'm, I don't have any ties to people who are working in sweatshops. I don't have any ties to people that are actually being harmed by the systems um and then also realizing that liberation from that is very isolating because if i was to be liberated from that then i'd have to go off the grid i'd have to delete instagram go away from all my close friends my family no one no one that i know would follow me to live an off-grid life mm. no like you wouldn't get to experience that liberation with anybody else yeah and i realized like, what i want is yeah. hmm? I was just saying, so like, how could that be liberation if you can't bring, if you can't bring your niggas with you, right? Like, if you can't bring your people with you. Exactly. Yeah. And what I needed at that time was my tribe, like what my community, my family and my chosen family. And I was like, okay, if they're not going to come with me to be liberated, then maybe that's not a liberation that's for me because I need, people need their community. People need their passions. People need to be stimulated in certain ways. And I know the ways that I need to be stimulated. And so if that liberation isn't going to allow me 
you know, what I need in my own personal life, then I, I'm not looking for it. You know, I know that if I need to call or talk to my mom or talk to my best friend, I have FaceTime, I have an iPhone, you know? If I need to go for a walk, if I need to go for a run, I'm blessed that I live on a campus that's very guarded, very safe. So I can go for a run at four o'clock in the morning and not feel like someone's about to attack me. So the, I just stopped looking for liberation in that sense because I'm like, I have everything that I need. Mm -hmm. I get to do this. I get to talk to cool ass people through Zoom, <laughs> like through just setting up interviews with people, I get to learn. And so yeah. liberation looks for looks like for me, I guess, like my utopia, liberation is the the vehicle to this utopia and I'm living it. And I, I don't want anything outside of this until I get it, you know, until something next comes from what the work I'm already doing. But I'm not really searching for anything. I'm kind of just where I'm at and satisfied with it. Um, Are you serious? Yes. How do you know? Stop. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> What the fuck? How did you know? Everything you were saying, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, because like you're, it just sounds like you just think very deeply about things, but also you're very like, if it happens, it happens. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for anything outside of myself. Yeah, it's because everything's here. Like, what you're saying, how can I survive all that I've been through and not know God? How can I not know that these experiences would lead me to where I'm at? You know, there's all of this violence that I have experienced. I know it's probably going to get worse, if anything. Everything happens all at once, all the time. So how can I not trust myself that if I've been through all these experiences, that I'll be good now? And so mm. what am I looking at now? Okay, I'm looking at, I'm in school, I'm studying history, I'm, I'm, balancing this new adult life. I'm about to turn 20. What, is, what are my 20s going to look like? How can I be fulfilled in my 20s? And so it's like looking at the past and the present and the future, looking at, okay, what, what, what is against me? What is for me? And what am I doing to aid these, mm -hmm. these things? So I'm like, okay, as, as long as I can learn and, and be healthy and make sure I'm straight, I'm good. So that's the reason yeah. why I don't look for liberation, but I understand why, you know, because I've been in those shoes of looking for something to fulfill me. But a lot of people, a lot of people want to be fulfilled in, in certain ways and want to be liberated. And that's important, you know, to be able to create yeah. like that's a vehicle to do that. Everything you said is why Dirty Girl exists. And I really love that you were so... How do I just clear and and unafraid to say what you were saying? Because in some circles, like you saying that I like I I benefit from capitalism, you'd be you'd be like kicked out. Like, what the fuck are you saying right now? Like, are you okay? Like, that's how people see like or or view like perspectives like yours. But what I had to realize is there's a huge disconnect between what we're advocating for on the left and what people actually want to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah like there's, there's, there's a huge like disconnect between our movements and what the average person actually wants. And for me, I don't want to be far, far away from the people anymore. I don't want to be on this high horse acting like I'm also not out here, like struggling with mental health, that I'm also not out here, like 
also trying to figure out what freedom means to me because I am. And I'm also like living with these contradictions and also like having a hard time understanding like what my personal responsibility is in re in relation to all these systems that, like you said, have nothing to do with me. Like, and, and I think hearing you speak was really enriching for me because something I've been having a lot of trouble with recently is I just get mad. I get really angry about these systems. And I'm like, yo, like, I hate that my life has been inhibited by all these different things that I have no control over. Yeah. But I do have control over something, which is me. I have control over what I do. I have control over how I move through a world that doesn't want me a lot. Like I, I have, I have control over that. And I think, like, even thinking about survival, every time we choose to see tomorrow, shout out to Glow. Period. Every time, every time we we choose to wake up and like see see the next day, like that's a choice we're making. It is a choice we're making to actively survive in a world that doesn't want us to be alive, you know what I mean? And so I think like everything you're saying, it makes so much sense. And that's exactly why Dirty Girl, that's our ideology. It's like, I can't tell you what liberation looks like to you. And I also, I also like to your point, like who's coming to liberate you? Nobody, like we're not, like this is not Cinderella, like we're not Rapunzel in an ivory tower. Like we often have to save ourselves. And I think that for me, it would be a disservice if I told you that you have to subscribe to this one idea of what liberation looks like. Rather, I see it more as like, we're all building a quote unquote better world. And for me, a better world, it's not necessarily one in which like I'm talking about all these, all these abstract systems. I'm more so just talking about a world in which black girls, women and femmes can, can be their full expressive autonomous selves without feeling like, without feeling inhibited by anything or anyone. That doesn't mean that those systems don't exist anymore. It just means that we don't give a fuck. Like, we're going to keep on moving regardless. And so, yeah, I, like, I think my hope is really everything you just said. I just want you to live 10 toes down the life that you choose, um, period, all the time, always. Um, and I think, like, five years from now, 10 years from now, regardless of how white supremacy changes or regardless of how you know, capitalism changes. I still want all of us to be living these pleasure, pleasureful, um, beautiful, autonomous lives, whatever that means. And, and I think in whatever context that is, because liberation in, in Africa looks totally different than it does in the United States. Um, or, or, or liberation in Haiti looks totally different than what it looks like in like a small, a small neighborhood in, in New York. And, and that, and with that, I'm like, I can't change that, but it also means that I can't control either, like, like what, what the circumstances are going to be. All I can do is create an environment in which you can explore your liberation more. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I fuck with that. And I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning so much. Literally, like, everything you said, especially when it comes to contradictions and that, like, kind of idea of fulfillment within ourselves. It's so interesting how black feminists, uh, womanists, like any type of movement surrounding the autonomy and humanity of black women, we always have to look for this idea of fulfillment. And it's, I've been studying a little bit about PR and propaganda and like how 
you know, men versus women, like this, this binary that's kind of separated us. And like, what is the factor actually separating a man versus a woman, woman's experience? And so when thinking about friendships, thinking about beauty, thinking about love, romantic relationships, success, what does that look like? And there's this idea that I at least grew up with of needing fulfillment. Mm. This fulfillment that I'll never get, it's intangible but it's always marketed to us. It's propaganda that, okay, once you get this eyeliner, you're gonna be the most beautiful girl in the world. Once you get the guy, you're gonna be the most, you know, everyone's gonna be jealous of you. You're gonna love your life happily ever after. And it's not real. It's not fucking real. So not looking for that fulfillment, but also understanding that there's a contradiction of, okay. I. Because there is like what you were saying with like how people would think about my perspective, like, okay, you're done. Like, <laughs> like capitalism, oh, you're done. Like, just so disposable, disposable. Like, so I, so you don't deserve freedom. You don't deserve to be liberated, like to, to, to experience liberation either. Like, it just feels like when we talk about liberation in the singular form, it means that there are certain people that can't achieve it, that, that I just can't ever experience it. And that just doesn't feel right to me. Like, it's just like, yeah. I'm scratching my head. And it's not to say that everybody's for you, but it's like, I feel like with that type of thinking, we do miss out on the virulence of the world. Like, just because you say, just, just because like, we we differ on this, on this one value, it doesn't mean that you are now someone that needs to be disposed of. Like, it just means that liberation looks different for us or we're experiencing the world differently, which is to be expected. Yeah. And I love the work of Dirty Girl of this definition and idea of freedom being so flexible because it does allow so many different types of people to exist in the same space. Like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe I, I know the ways that I benefit from capitalism, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to argue against someone who's doing the work against it because that's important work. I just know where I stand on the situation, but I'm still going to sit here and listen to you. You know, because it's important mm -hmm. to understand it. And there was a point in time when I was like, let's get it out. Let's go. But yeah, there's this contradiction. And it's important to lean into our contradictions. As Bobo would say, it's important to lean into our contradictions because that's what makes up humanity. That's what makes up us as human beings and being nuanced and being full and being whole people. We need to see the ways that we contradict ourselves. And we need to understand yeah. that that shit is going to happen whether or whether or not we want it to. And it's so dangerous sometimes because when people don't like contradictions, like growing up, if you said something that went against like your actions, it was like, bro, like you just did this, but you said that. And it's like, yeah, I'm human. Like, yeah, sometimes like <laughs> I lie, it's cool, like whatever. But when the pandemic started, um, there was a lot of anti-contradiction speak basically of just mm -hmm. you need to be fully hoisted up on your pedestal if you're going to be pro this pro that anti this anti that live up to that entire that that persona live up to what you're saying you are and so with what you were saying earlier about how you know you kind of needed to step away from this idea of i am the whole one and only dirty girl you know i'm not saying that that's what you said but this idea of being up on this pedestal. What was that experience like to be like, okay, dang, like there are some contradictions. What were some of those contradictions that you were realizing within yourself that you're like, okay, maybe I need to, to think this through a little bit more. 
I think the one, I think the major one is like, I don't like all the girls, like, period. Like, and this is, this is true. Like, and I've had people say, well, Melissa, like you're building a women's organization. Like, like, how can you, how, how can you like also at the same time, like not, not like not fuck with other people or like be willing to be, to be mean, to like be mean or set boundaries to other people. And it's like, I never said, I never said like we were all friends. I never said we were all buddy, buddy. I never said that this was, you know, this, this was how it was going to go. And I think a lot of feminist organizations, the ideology that they've, they've constantly like gone on is like, it's girl power. Like we all need to be friends, but that's, that's just not how relationships work. That's not how the world works. Like, like just because like, for example, Marilyn, just because I said like, we need to hold space for, for how you feel doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I'm going to like how you feel, you know what I mean? Like we, like we can beef it out on, on, on that front. And it does, but it also doesn't take away from you or me. Like it doesn't take away from who you are as a person nor does it take away from who I am. But I think often when we don't agree with somebody else's ideology or we don't agree with someone, someone um, else's perspective on liberation, we're just like, we got to tear that. We got to tear them down to the, to the, to the, like the, the bare bones of who they are. But it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think thinking about power, what I've learned a lot from sex workers is power is something that is strategic and knowing how to leverage power is something that's actually really, um, it requires a great deal of skill because I think in a lot of ways, power is just realizing like what you have as leverage and knowing how to maneuver that so you can get what you want. And so, uh, a scenario that I came up with is I was like, okay, what if a dirty girl like got invited to the White House? Like, what what would I do then? Like, what do we do as an organization? And I just thought to myself, I'm like, they would go to the White House, like, period. Yeah. And the reason why they would go I to the White House, why? Would you? Yes, yes. I I personally would not go. But if there was the dirty girl in the organization that was just like, yeah, I got invited to the White House and I want to go, who am I to stop you? And who am I to say no? Because at the end of the day, like, you know what the White House has? Access and power. And you know what I want? Access and power. So if if you have the capacity to be in conversation with the president of the United States, then you go ahead and, and do that. Because at the end of the day, like, if I if I stop myself from interacting with this person simply because of, of my theoretical perspective of the world, then I am getting in the way of me actually experiencing or, or being able to leverage some type of power to get more access. For me, it's really just realizing that like, there are certain compromises we make in this life. There are certain ways we have to move in this world as doubly, triply, quadruple, quadruply marginalized people that aren't always gonna make sense to, to, to other people. And that's okay, because they don't fully understand the, the constraints of your experience. We're all out here trying to get power. We're all out here trying to feel more, more whole, more, more fulfilled, like you said, in this world. And I think understanding that there are all these systems that we're standing up against, I'm gonna have to play dirty. It's that's just it's period. Like that, that's just the case of the matter. And that's a huge contradiction. It's like we live in this dirty world. So how could I be pure of it? I can't. And that's all dirty girl means. It means like we live in this dirty world, so therefore I am dirty as well. These systems of domination live within me as well. So if that's the case, I'm going to, I, I can make a choice. I can either 
try my hardest to cleanse myself of these systems, or I can also, I can actively cleanse myself, cleanse myself of these systems and also understand that I can leverage some of these things in my, in my favor. Um, and I think that's, that's those, I mean, dirty girl is inherently a contradiction. It's like knowing what the quote unquote right thing is to do and still doing the wrong thing anyway, because you know, that's the only way out. So yeah, the entire movement is a contradiction, babe. <laughs> Period. No, literally the idea of power is something I've been struggling with, uh, for the past few days, actually, of thinking about what is power. Do I want power? Mm -hmm. What mean to be powerful and like a philosophical sense and a spiritual sense and like just every day socially. And so that contradiction that you were talking about of, okay, there's these systems of dominance. There's these systems that are oppressing us, but also power, say you have power, right? Mm -hmm. Power is so similar to this idea of property and ownership, which is another thing. Like I just, I was kind of struggling with until I read something recently that was like, Think of this chair. There's one chair, two people want it, but two people can't use the same chair in the same way at the same time in the same place. So that's the reason yeah. this idea of ownership began because if person A owns the chair, but person B wants to use the chair at the same time, then person A can be like, no, I have the rights, the ownership, the property of this chair. This is mine. So I can use it in the way I want. Go get your own. But with power, it's not really as, as simple as that. It's mm -hmm. like, I have this thing above you and that mm -hmm. can look like anything. I just have this thing against you. I mean, not against, but ab above you. And so if someone is higher, then that means that someone's already inherently below them. And so there's, there's just this dynamic that I just don't really like, you know, like I just don't want to participate in, but I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like that's dirty girl shit. It's like, yeah. I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway because exactly. that's, that's the world that we live in. Because honestly, Verilyn, like if you don't, if you don't exercise your power, somebody else is gonna exercise their power over you. And I don't want to feel powerless anymore. I just do not like that. It, it, I, I don't want that to be in like my daily experience anymore. Like I, I do want to have some type of footing in this world, some type of some type of grounding to stand on. And I feel like as much as power scares us or we are taught as women and femmes not to think about power or not to exercise power, it's actually really important that we develop some type of language around it because this world that we live in, power is everywhere. But far too often, we do not have power. Women and girls and femmes do not have power. So when you when when that's the reality that we live in, of course you live in a world where your your rights to abortion can be taken away. Full stop. Because we don't have power. We don't have anything to leverage. And so, like for me, what was most surprising, not even surprising, I think most disappointing about Roe v. Wade was how many people on the left were saying we knew this was coming. Yeah. Well. What do you mean you knew this was coming? And it still happened. And for me, so many people kept saying that. I'm like, that's not something to brag about. That's not something to say out loud. Like, you knew it was coming and it still got taken away. That to me is it is a system system systematic of a culture that is not teaching us how to go about having power and how to keep power. 
And that's not a world I'm interested in living in anymore. Like, if this is how dirty shit is going to be, then I also need to be equipped with all the tools in my arsenal to, to go to, to, to survive this thing. Because if not, like, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be here much longer, to be quite honest. Like, I really do think there's a war upon our bodies. And I think it's just like a question of like, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to continue with the same status quo or are we going to try something different? And for me, that different thing is just clearly talking about power in a way that's unapologetic and unashamed um, to say that you want a piece of the pie. Yeah, there. I was talking to my friend's mom a couple of years ago, like early 2020, late 2020, something like that. And because I was on like my absurdism tip, like just nothing really matters, just like no one cares. I honestly kind of not predicted, but there's this whole line and like pattern of not caring or mm-hmm. pretending to care more than we do. Yes. Um, and that's what kind of led me to absurdism at that time was everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on Twitter talking about these things and saying that I should care about these things, but quite honestly, I don't care. I just want to feel happy. I want to feel fulfilled and talking about these things doesn't lead me to that route. So I remember telling my friend's mom, I was like, I think in like 10 years, no one's going to care. Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's going to care about anything. So it's important to say, admit that we don't care so that we can figure out what we do care about. Yeah. (laughs) And this idea of dirty girl plays into that perfectly because I mean, honestly, circling like this point of finding what we want, what is liberation is so important. That's why critically thinking is so important. That's why being able to talk and have these differences and see our contradictions is so important because I don't care about a lot of shit, quite honestly, but it's not my tribe, my, my career, which is like my passions and my health. I don't, that's not me, you know? Um, but that let that took a while for me to get to that point. And so there's this fear of admitting we don't care. I don't care about X. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. But there's also power in it. Yeah. But it's also too, Marilyn, it's taboo to say you don't care. Like, I mean, there was a moment in time when niggas were getting shamed for not reposting Instagram graphics. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, yes. I think we live, I think we live in a culture of fascism. We live in a fascist culture and it exists on both the right and the left. Like it's not like we love to say it's just the right, but it's like we we also we we also experience microfascism every day. Like the fact that like I'm being policed for the certain internet behaviors I display, that actually like I I know at first it feels good, you know, because we're getting in on white people, but in actuality, like all the, the way we treat white people, it eventually then seeps into how we treat each other, right? Because all we're doing is replicating white supremacy and then putting putting a black face on it, right? Put like or or or, or painting it brown, like. And for me, that's not freedom. You know, that's just you recreating a system of domination so you can feel powerful. So again, what do you actually care about? You care about power. You care about feeling strong and 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 autonomous and you want to be able to make decisions but far too often those decisions you go back to the drawing board which is white supremacy you go back to that to that standard because that's all you know 
And so, but it, but you're right. If we actually admitted what we cared about and what we did not care about, maybe we would be closer to an alternative. Like we, maybe every time like we go back to the drawing board, it wouldn't just be white supremacy all over again. Like maybe we would have something new to play with or or to introduce or to intervene. But I just, I don't see it. But But you're absolutely right. Like I just think it all feels like a performance. It doesn't feel real and e even hearing you speak the way you're speaking it's like this is not allowed you know what I mean to admit that you don't care what do you mean you don't care like you know but 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 that's that's the world that we live in and I think like that's real dirty girl shit is to just admit like it's, it's to say the quiet part out loud like yeah why like why should I care like what what about this conversation is actually going to enrich me right now yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Honestly, not to get too crazy, but humans, like, this tribal epistemology that we have of, like, okay, because we exist in the same tribe, I agree with everything that you say. That shit does not work. Like, at the end of the day, we all, we all want the same thing. It's fulfillment in some way. What what That might look so different to many people, but at the end of the day, we all want to do something good and feel fulfilled. And so putting these, like, colors or sides on things like at the end of the day we're all human and if it gets even crazier where there's another species out there like if aliens exist and they're they come to earth like then what are we going to do are we going to be like you're on that side i don't fuck with you so take these niggas don't take us you know or i just i don't like separation as much as i understand why it happens and how it's continuously perpetuated but admitting you don't care is so important because then you can figure out what where you actually lie with things if you just want to eat fruits all day and go for walks then eat fruits all day and go for walks delete twitter like <laughs> delete twitter you know or if you want to do if you want to talk to people and learn things or or figure things out in a more critical way that might look like so many different things that might look like going you know, being a teacher, that might look like being an organizer, that might look like being a politician. You know, if you like theater and you like to lie a lot, be a politician, so I can explain. But like, it, it just depends on what people like. And so figuring out Dirty Girl, The Absurd Thought Club, Black Absurdity, just thinking about what we like, what we care about, what we don't care about, that's where we're gonna win every time. You know, you saying that, to go back to what I was saying about like the White House example, I feel like what what we're building with Dirty Girl for the longest time I kept thinking like Dirty Girl is defined by we have similar values, right? Or having a similar value system as somebody else. But I actually don't think that's the case because that's not the organization we're built I'm building. I think it's more so do we do we share similar desires? Because everything that you were saying about like wanting like wanting to feel good in my body like wanting to feel healthy i want that too i just i just might have a different way of getting there but like if we want the same things then i can fuck with you on a baseline level even if i don't like you i can still fuck with you on a baseline level and i think that's that's the organization i'm interested in building is not one where i'm telling you what to do or how to think i don't want to do that I just want to give you the tools to be able to think on your by yourself, to be able to create the life that you want by yourself or with the community that you choose. But I, I don't I don't think the future is is fascist. It's not. 
I don't think the like it looks like it, but I, I don't think that's what it, that's what it's giving. I don't think the future is controlling. I think the future is fun. I think the future is free in all in all all the ways that that all the different meanings that that word holds. Like it's free to be. It's free to think. It's free to just to just like exist and 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 maneuver however you want. Like that makes so much sense. And I think thank you for helping me arrive to that because. I, I just kept on thinking it's about values, but I was like, no, it's not. Like, it doesn't make sense. But now I realize it's really about do we have this, do we have similar desires? Do we, do we all want a world in which Black women, girls, and femmes are free? Yeah. I don't know what that means or what that looks like, but if we have the same desires and let's work together to get there. Um, yeah. Wow. I, yeah, you got me. <laughs> There's this, okay, there's this woman, her name is Silco. Yeah. She's a vegan. And so when I was kind of just doing research on veganism, I found this term called black veganism. Yeah. So doing this interview and it was with these two white guys. They're also vegan. And so she was basically like, they were trying to say this because it's called black veganism. It's inherently a divisive uh, approach to being a vegan. But the whole point of black veganism is to separate the hum human from the animal's experience but to see the ways in which black oppression has been put against animals where humans are oppressing animals and so let's stop saying oh because veganism is just so much better for us we eat better you know we're not damaging the ecosystem it's not hurting us so let's be vegan it's like we're hurting these animals point blank period like separate us from the equation we're hurting these animals but one thing that she said that was really powerful, which is like kind of the realization you just had was, it doesn't matter what your values are, why you are where, why you're here. At the end of the day, we're all vegan. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, we all are eating the same thing. We all have these different ideologies and um, philosophies behind our reasoning, behind the, our actions, but we're all here, even if we disagree. And that's so powerful to be able to disagree with people. And even like, not like- that is, uh... People are so afraid, like there was a point in time I was afraid to, you know, say things that I'm saying or, you know, tell people what, how I think the way I think because I knew that people wouldn't fuck with me. Mm -hmm. If I say I don't care about something that everyone cares about and it's like, I don't mean any harm. I just don't want to lie to you. You know, I, I love what you're doing. I love what everyone's doing. It's like if I'm talking to somebody about, I don't know, democracy. It's like we have totally different ideas if i'm talking to somebody about uh being a pescatarian we have totally different ideas i fuck with it i think it's super cool it's just that's not me i have this and that yeah. completely separate idea but i'm never gonna hate anyone because they i disagree with them you know and my idea might change tomorrow shit like i might be queer today and realize okay maybe that's not for me tomorrow shit like that can happen we're always evolving and humans and are so that's the human experience like you said yeah and and i think that like just just to like agree with you it's like i'm realizing like it's messy that way right so like to have for example a, a crowd full of vegans and everybody has a different idea of what it means to be vegan it's messy but that's the human experience like that's that's all it is really? and i think that like i don't know i'm just thinking about like again it it pays off to be specific right it pays off to, to say we are a, a, a we are a movement, a social political movement committed to the liberation of Black girls, women, and femmes. 
And also like being specific can also be limiting because often, often when we have dirty girl events, people will be like, well, actually it doesn't happen as much as I, as I thought it would, it would, but there have been times when people have asked like, oh, am I allowed to come? I'm not black or like, I'm not a black girl I'm not, or, or whatever. And it's like, we want you coming because we because if you agree that if you agree that black girls women and femmes deserve a better world then like come through and come build power with us and i think this idea of building power it's not just building power amongst women girls and femmes it's also building power with men it's building power with with white people and, and non-black people because they have resources that i do not have and of course i have to have standards for who you are in order for me to build with you but like just because we don't have we don't share the same identity or just because we don't come from the same place it doesn't mean that i can't build with you it doesn't mean that i can't fuck with you but it also but we also do have standards about like what it means to be a dirty girl right like it means like you like you like you come from a certain experience or you're familiar with a certain experience because i do think that the people who are going to lead us to where we need to be are the folks who are from the trenches who are familiar with like what it means to experience social death what it means to like what it means to grow up in, in, in an environment deprived of resources because i feel like once you actually know how bad it can get like the possibilities are endless because you just hit rock bottom like what are you going to build from there um so i think i think it's just like there's there's a balance right there's like specificity and 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 and, and exclusivity but there's also like openness and, and knowing that like anybody can teach you something anybody can have power anybody is worthy of being of building with but it's a matter of like do you both have equal grounding to stand on like are you both approaching your relationship from a place where you both feel powerful because if not that's where the imbalance starts but if you're both here then yeah please build please go ahead and like share your resources and 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 and, and build something beautiful together um yeah i like this conversation a lot like it's 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 helping me realize like just a lot in terms of like why this work is even important in the first place like it's just affirming for me what i'm building yes. i'm you. so glad because what you're saying the social death thing oh i just that's my first time hearing that term social death that reminded me of this learning dilemma called the dunning kruger effect mm -hmm. and so basically to like put it side by side to what I feel like social death is, is like, okay, growing up, young black girl, told the world is your oyster, you can be whoever you want, do whatever you want, you got it, right? So Dunning-Kruger effect, you're, it's a graph, you're at the top of this, this graph. So you're like, yes, I'm that girl. And then you're like, okay, let me set a goal for myself. Boom, I wanna be, I wanna have five Grammys in two years. Boom, you're at the bottom, learning dilemma. First learning dilemma, you're like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Like the world is, is nothing. I'm never going to make it. It's horrible. I kind of want to quit. Da, da, da. And you're kind of like in this little, hmm, I, I'm nothing. I don't know what I'm doing. And then you're like, okay, let me maybe change my perspective a little bit. Let me see, learn a little bit more, live a little bit more. You learn something that you're like, oh, okay, wait, new goal. I know how to get five Grammys maybe i can start doing x every day start doing x every day okay I, i'm seeing seeing some changes seeing some growth then you start going up the scale a little bit more you're like hmm okay five years pass damn i didn't hit my goal but i'm closer to my goal than i was five years ago okay let me keep going 
And somehow you just continue to make your way back up to having that confidence that you had in the beginning. And so, yeah, at one point you hit rock bottom, but from hitting rock bottom, you learned, fuck, that shit will never happen the way I thought it was going to happen. So let me learn a little bit more and just see what can happen and just keep doing stuff. And your confidence will build up. Not only will your confidence build up, but your skill set, your knowledge will build up and you'll be back at that place that you were. Mm -hmm. But now you're a master. Mm-hmm. Now you have the Grammys, but now your goal isn't even the Grammys. You're like, shit, I just want to eat healthy every day. I want to yeah. have kids. I want to, you know, have a happy family. I want to have fun with my friends every day. So then you kind of just continue to go through, depending on what the dilemma is, but you continue to go through that scale and it's social death. That's that's kind of what it feels like to me of like, dang, like I'm nothing, but there's something to build on here. And I think I think for, for dirty girls, like what that looks like is, reaching the very bottom of of like civilization right of like 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 there's the, there's this concept of the bottom right which is like what black people often experience which is a world is which is what we call the end of the world at dirt like a dirty girl mm-hmm. and is this idea of like you know being inundated not only with racism but also also with like with Actually, no, just being inundated by, by, by the issue of race. But then it's this like, but then you you realize that like there's there's a bottom to the bottom. And that's often where black girls and femmes exist, right? It's this idea that we are not only inundated by this issue of race, it's also um it's also uh, patriarchy, it's also um it's it's also it's also cis cis heteropatriarchy and so and capitalism and all these other systems. And so when you actually are inundated or are experiencing those systems on an everyday basis, you have reached what is called the bottom of the bottom. And I, that's often where we exist. And I think it's like for us reaching to the top again, that's what I mean by like that divinity, because you don't just survive those systems. You don't just, you don't, you don't just like rise victorious above those systems or within those systems without having to fight for your life. And also without having some, div, some divinity to explain how you were able to survive. Because I think so much of my life, I cannot attribute it to like man or 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 mortal or mortal intervention. Like a lot of it is really out of my control, out of my ability to understand. But I realize that that that's my highest self acting on my behalf. That's my highest self realizing that like I need to find a way out because life is too good to let go. And I think that every time we make that decision to keep going, to keep climbing, that is a divine act. And I think we need to recognize it as such. Surviving the bottom of the bottom is not a small feat. And so many of us do it every day. And so many of us don't. And I think Dirty Girl is really in in honor of that and making sure that we don't have to survive anymore. We can actually just exist and, and be fulfilled just just, just because, just because we deserve it. So to close out this conversation, this amazing conversation, which I want to have so much more often. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so passion or love, which one do you lean more into? That's hard. Passion, I love. 
that's hard. And I think that's hard because I've had some recent experiences that's bringing into question my own capacity for love. I think right now it's passion that drives me. I think if I'm being real with myself, I think I'm very, I'm very like, I'm a very ambitious person. I'm very like, I'm very much a go-getter, like whatever it is, like if I want it, I'm gonna get it. But I think that, I think I'm disconnected from spirit right now and disconnected from like the emotional parts of myself. And I think I've been more body-centered. And I think like that's, that's what our movement spaces do to us. Like they really limit us to just our bodies and what it's able to do. But so much of liberation work is, it like involves the spirit. It involves like the, um, the heart. And I think that I, I have in a lot of ways lost that spirit or lost that heart. And I think I'm in the process of getting it back. But I think that, um, I think a lot of what drives me right now is just passion. It's just like, this is what I want and this is what I'm gonna get. And I think passion doesn't always need you to be connected to spirit or to your heart in order to do it. Um, so yeah, if I'm being honest, passion for right now. Well, Damn. I'm gonna be thinking about that for for a while. For a while. Hmm. So thank you so much, Melissa, Melly, the Dirty Girl, Emerging Superstar, Creative Director, Organizer, Artiste. Stream Dirty Girl, Stream Dirty Girl. Dirty Girl in a Dirty Fucking World. Stream that shit. Her Instagram, everything is gonna be attached to this podcast, to this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Woo, thank you. Welcome to the Absurd Thought Club and peace.